Noel Coward, a famous playwright in the early 1900s in London, pulled an interesting prank. He sent an identical note to 20 of the most famous men in London, and the anonymous note read, Everybody has found out what you are doing. If I were you, I would get out of town. Supposedly, all 20 men actually left town. What if you opened your mailbox or got that text message and found such a note? What would race through your mind? Guilt's a scary thing, isn't it? It's a very, very scary thing. In fact, I don't have to like give a lot of list of things to make your mind go to that place of thinking about something that you've done that you regret deeply and potentially has landed you in a scary, scary place of guilt. We all deal with it because we've all blown it. Maybe it was two weeks ago, maybe it was two years ago, but guilt gets us and it gets us deep. It gets us deep. So as we think about being Christians, we think about being believers, did we get saved just so we could feel bad? Is that God's plan for us, right? Like you become a Christian and then you just get to go forth in guilt. Is that the idea? Is that what he has planned for us? Guilt uh, totally paralyzes us. It stops us in our tracks. Some people didn't come to church this morning. At this church or another church, they didn't go because of guilt. Some of you thought about not coming this morning because of guilt. Some of us didn't worship this morning because of guilt. Some of us don't serve because of it. Some of us don't go to HC group, group because of it. Some of us are doing the same sin over and over since we already feel guilty anyway. Some of us just can't move forward because of guilt. We're stuck. We're stuck in our guilt. We've got to get, we've got to get unstuck. Guilt causes us not to do the things that we need to do, and it causes us to do things that we don't need to do. Um, this morning, do you know how easy it would be? For me to think about things that I have done, and I've done plenty of wrong in my life, become overwhelmed with guilt because of it, and not stand up here and preach. It would be really, really easy for me to get stuck in that and say, you know what, I'm not worthy to do this. Well, guess what, I'm not worthy to preach this morning. I'm only standing up before you doing what God told me to do because of his grace. And oh, there are things for you that God has planned for you to do that if you listen to your guilt and you listen to your shame, you'll never do it. But if you listen to his grace, listen, guilt says sit down, grace says stand up. Guilt breeds all kinds of unhealthy things. For instance, when we feel guilty, a lot of us beat ourselves up and we've got our different way of doing that, right? You've got your way, I've got my way, but the ways that we beat ourselves up. It causes things like self, self-loathing. It comes out in us in things like anger, which is very, very dangerous. It causes us to shift blame. When we feel guilty, we think, well, I don't want to feel guilty, so how do I not feel guilty anymore? Well, I'll just shift the blame over here. It brings about all kinds of cover-ups, and the list goes on of things that guilt breeds. Well, as guilt breeds unhealthy things, it kills healthy things. Guilt kills in us this beautiful thing of freedom, joy, peace, service, grace being given to others. Guilt kills all of that. 
I want you to get this this morning. It's going to come on the screen. Uh, I don't think it's in your notes, but it's worth writing down. If you've been around me anytime at all, you've heard me say this because I believe it with all my heart, and it's so important that we get it, okay? Listen to me. Guilt, guilt is the tool of the devil, okay? Guilt is the tool of the devil. On the flip side of that, grace, grace is God's tool, Okay? God doesn't use guilt against you. It's not how he functions. It's not how he works. He transforms you not through guilt but through grace. And the guilt that you and I are dealing with and or are stuck in and or we are believing, those are coming from the very voice of the liar whose name is Satan. Okay? Guilt is the tool of the devil. Grace is the tool of God. With that being said, let's look at Romans chapter 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse number 1. Romans chapter 8, and as you're looking for that passage of Scripture, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible um, underneath the seat in front of you. You can grab one, and those black Bibles will be on page 940, Romans chapter 8. And we're wrapping up this series this morning, and um, I have probably been a little bit extra passionate, I guess, over the last few weeks because I want us to get this incredible truth of grace because grace, again, is not merely an idea. Grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And we need to understand more about our Savior and how we can live and function and breathe and move forward in him. Romans chapter 8, beginning verse number 1. It says, so now, okay, at this present point, as a result of all of that, this point right now, it says, so now there is no condemnation. And we're going to talk about that word this morning, a very big, powerful word. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. We're going to look at these verses a little bit more. I want to kind of give you the big idea this morning and let it flood over your heart and your soul for just a moment. And that is this. There is no guilt. Okay, There is no guilt for those who have experienced grace. There is no guilt for those who have experienced grace. Grace. And so if we've experienced the grace that we speak of this morning, the grace of God, the grace that comes to us through Jesus Christ, the Word of God is declaring to us this morning that there is no guilt for those who experienced grace. This word condemnation, it's a big word, it's a scary word, it's a word that like freaks us out. It definitely has to do with guilt. Let me kind of define it as we talk about this word condemnation. It's a legal term. It is the action of condemning someone to a punishment, a sentencing, if you will. It is the verdict of guilty and giving the penalty that the verdict demands. It involves judgment, this condemnation, this judgment that's being spoken of here. It signifies the declaring of an evildoer to be guilty. Some other words that go with condemnation are words like denunciation, disapproval, and this strong word, damnation. It carries with it, this word of condemnation carries with it the idea of being put away and hated, and here's a strong word, separated. 
separated. That's what this idea is being um, presented here with this word condemnation. It's actually the very opposite. Condemnation is the opposite of being justified. Condemnation is the opposite of being justified. Guess what Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 are all about? Our justification in Christ. And he says in chapter 1 through chapter 7, this is how you are justified. And because you are justified, I can declare to you what's being declared in Romans chapter 8. There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 1 again. Let's make sure we don't miss what is being said here. Again, it says, there is no condemnation for who? For those who belong to Christ Jesus. So this removing of condemnation is available for everybody, but it is accessed for everyone who belongs to Christ Jesus. And we've been talking about this so plainly the last few weeks and how that when we recognize our sin and we repent of it toward Jesus and we invite him in to forgive us and to cleanse us, that he does justify us, that he does save us, that he does rescue us, and we become his. We belong to him. We're now his children. We are his beloved. We are his holy people. We are his. And it says here that there's no condemnation. There is no more declaring judgment over us as guilty if we belong to Christ Jesus. And so I'll pose this question to you. Do you belong to Jesus? Okay, if you do, there is no condemnation for you from God anymore. If you don't belong to Jesus, you are condemned already, but he wants to justify you. He wants to free you. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you from your sin and for this to be true for you when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. The good news just keeps getting gooder, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, it just gets deeper and fuller and more amazing, this idea of grace and who it is in the person of Jesus Christ. Again, for those who have been saved, this guilt, this condemnation has been removed. Who we are and our position, our identity now as children of God, it changes everything. And notice the condition for which we don't experience condemnation. It's if we belong to Jesus Christ. It doesn't say for those who have no failures, it doesn't say you have no condemnation for those who have no mistakes in their life. It doesn't say there's no condemnation for those who have no sin in their life. It says no condemnation for those who what? Belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Not because of something you did, but because of something that happened to you and in you in salvation. Let this wash over you for just a moment. No more condemnation because of Jesus. No more anger from God towards you because of Jesus. No more separation from God for you because of Jesus. No more fear of separation from God because of Jesus. Only love, by the way, the end of chapter 8 declares God's unfailing love. That's where, that's where it lands us. It lands us in his love. So if there's no condemnation, does that mean there's no consequences for our sin? There are consequences for our sin. But there's a massive difference between the consequences of our sin and the condemnation of our sin. Okay? Massive difference between consequences and condemnation. 
Our sin, listen to me closely, our sin has consequences here in this life. In our health, in our relationships, in our finances, keep the list going. It matters when you sin because when you sin, you are choosing then to experience the consequences of your sin. Okay? This doesn't mean that you just get to do whatever and nothing ever happens. You know, there's still consequences here in this life when we sin. It matters when we sin. It affects our effectiveness. It affects our testimony, our witness. It is massive for us. But listen to me, believers. Listen to me. There is no more condemnation by God now or in eternity forever because we belong to Jesus. Jesus no longer declares you guilty. Guess what he declares you? Innocent. Innocent of all your sin. Am I the only one that's got a bunch? Right? And Jesus and his justification, Jesus in this thing of salvation declares us innocent rather than condemned. Your sin no longer brings you condemnation now or in eternity or in God's view of you. When God looks at you, he doesn't view someone who's condemned. He doesn't look at, look at someone who he's done with. He doesn't look at someone that he wants to destroy. We were driving down the street uh, here in town just the other day, and there's this one street here in our city that there are three little bitty houses right in a row, and there's these stickers all over the front door. And guess what those stickers say? Condemned. Guess what? No longer inhabitable. No longer is anyone going to live there. In fact, the city has plans in time, in the future, to destroy them and get them out of the way because they've been condemned. You are not condemned if you belong to Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed. You have been saved. You have been rescued. Jesus is for you. He is with you no matter what. Again, he is not against you. He is for you. Look at verse number 3 again. Verse number 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. In other words, you couldn't be perfect, I couldn't be perfect, we blew it, they blew it, the other people blew it, the people before us blew it, the people after us blew it. The law just couldn't work to rescue us because the, the law requires perfection. We just can't do it. It goes on in verse number 3 to say, He, meaning God, sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Okay, so physical. He was here. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a, and this is a huge word, as a sacrifice for our sin. God said, I want to rescue you. I don't want you to be condemned. I want you to be saved. I don't want you to be found guilty. I want to make you innocent. You are very much so in and of yourself not innocent. So I'm going to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. I'm going to make a payment for your sin that you can't make. And it's going to come through my very own son, Jesus. That is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us. So for those of us who are saved, right? Like we've experienced Jesus, we would say he received us by his grace. I think all of us would say, yes, like he received me. And so since that time, we've blown it, we've messed up, at least I have. What makes me think, what makes you think that God's going to receive me the first time by allowing his son to die for my sin, and then later on we're going to come back and he's going to say, you know what, I accepted you that time, I liked you that time, but I don't like you anymore. 
I condemned Jesus and now I'm going to condemn you. Why would he have ever gone through the whole trouble, pain, and suffering of Jesus being condemned for our sin if he's just going to turn around and condemn us anyway? He says, no. Jesus was condemned. Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus took your punishment. Jesus took your guilt. Jesus took your shame. That's what he did for us. And he receives us. God didn't let his son die for us so he could lose us. He let his son die for us so that he could what? Save us. So that he could keep us. And so that he could move us forward. I posed the question early on, um, did we just get saved so that we could feel guilty all the time? That's not God's plan for Christianity. It is not God's plan for Christianity. Some of you are like, you know what, I can remember I was lost and I didn't care. I had a much better time because there was no guilt. There was none of this and there was none of that. Right? I'll just go back and do it all that. No, that's, that, is, that is not where God brought you to, to rescue you and then you feel guilty for the rest of your life. He sent this son and his name is Jesus. He condemned him so he doesn't have to condemn you. Jesus didn't quit on you in the cross, and he's not going to quit on you now. Listen to me. I want to show you some things on the screen. They're, they're so rich. you got to get them. Listen to me. Jesus is not your accuser. Jesus is not with his big, long, powerful finger pointing at you and say, look at what they did. No, no, no. That's not who he is. He could be, but he chooses not to be. He's not your accuser. Listen, Jesus is your advocate. Jesus is standing up for you publicly and representing you and saying, I recognize what you recognize. They blew it, but listen, they're in me, and I am with them, and I am for them. And I'm here to tell you that because of my sacrifice, they are innocent in the eyes of God. He's your advocate. Listen to me. Jesus is not your probation officer. Just sitting around waiting on you to mess up so he can throw you back under the jail and throw away the key. That is not who he is. He is not your probation officer. Listen, Jesus is your protector. He is faithfully standing in the way to protect you all the time. That's who he is. Jesus is not against you. Jesus is for you. His work on the cross some 2,000 years ago is still for you. His love for you yesterday is still his love for you today. His grace for you yesterday is still his grace for you today. Listen, he knows everything about you. All of it. He knew when he went to the cross all the stupid stuff you were going to do, all the sinful stuff you were going to do. He knew everything you were going to do before you were saved. He knew everything you were going to do after you were saved. And guess what? He went to the cross anyway. This is who he is. This is how for you that he is. Guilt says we're condemned. Grace says we are always loved by God. Guilt is you-focused. Grace is Jesus-focused. Guilt is about me and my feelings, and I got a lot of them. You know what I'm saying? And you do too. And we're wrestling with them, aren't we? We're wrestling with our feelings. We're wrestling with all these lies and all these opinions and what the world thinks and what culture thinks and what Satan thinks and what we think the church thinks and what we think the Bible thinks. And listen, I'm here to tell you, guilt's about me and my feelings. Grace is about Jesus and a relationship with him. Grace acknowledges the full implication of sin. Grace doesn't make little of sin. I crack up when people say things like, 
man, if you just get too carried away with grace, I just don't know, man. People are just going to be sinning all the time. Like people need grace to sin. Are you with me? Grace is not a, 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 like a license to sin. Grace is a way out of your sin. That's what grace is. Oh, man. Grace, it recognizes the ugliness of your sin. God's not gone soft on your sin. That's not grace. In fact, that's, that's just the, that's an erroneous idea. God has not gone soft on your sin. And therefore, because he's gone soft on your sin, there's no condemnation. No, 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 no. Listen, Jesus was the sacrifice. That's what it cost God to pay for my sin and for your sin. His holiness demands this justice. His grace requires a sacrifice, and Jesus was that sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, he paid for our sin in full. Once and for all. Because he was condemned, you cannot be condemned. God unleashed, listen to this, when Jesus died on the cross, God unleashed his holy wrath, his anger, and his punishment on Jesus that I deserved and that you deserved for our sin. God put all of that on Jesus. I think when we think about the cross, we think about the physical suffering, and we definitely should, but I'm going to tell you the greatest pain and suffering that Jesus had to experience was the excruciating pain in his soul, in the essence of who he was, in taking on the pain and punishment of our sin. For some of us in this room right now, our sin is paid for and we don't know it. Debt free and don't even know. Let me ask you this question. How, how would you live? How would you live if you were debt free and you had everything you needed? How would you live if you were debt free, didn't owe anybody anything, and you had everything you needed? I know the answer to this question. It's the same answer for me as it is for you. Check out the answer. Here's the answer differently. <laughs> Can you imagine? No rent, no house payment, no car payment, everything you need. You would leave completely different. Listen, in Jesus, your sin debt has been paid for in full. He has provided, according to the riches and glory, everything that you need to live in this life. Therefore, you and I, when we recognize that, receive that, and live in that, we live how? Differently. Differently. Listen, Jesus paid it all. He paid for all of it, all of your sin, all of my sin, all of their sin, and all of their sin. He paid for all of it. That's why there's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, your sins didn't like escape. You didn't like get away with them. No, Jesus paid for them. They were taken to the cross, and he paid for them. And so God sent us Jesus. God gave us grace, and the grace that God gave us in Jesus a couple thousand years ago on the cross is the same grace that still flows today even after we are saved. He wants us to live, and he wants us to flourish in grace and not get stuck in guilt. He wants us to live and flourish in grace and not get stuck in guilt. Again, he gave us this gift of grace so that we would be saved and so that we can move forward after being saved, even when we sin 
after we're saved. His plan through grace is to keep us moving forward and becoming more like Jesus. For one of us to say as a believer, and I think we may have probably all been here at some point in time in our lives, whether we said it out loud or not, we, but to say as a believer, I have to say stuck in my guilt and shame and pay for my sin. Listen, you know what that is? That's to deny the power, the work, and the payment of Jesus on the cross. That's to say to Jesus, you know what, Jesus, thanks for going to the cross, but your payment wasn't enough for my sin. Let me beat myself up for my sin. Let me do this to pay back for my sin. That is not why he went to the cross. He went to the cross to pay for all of it. And so God, in his wisdom, he knows us, right? Like he knows how we're wired. He knows how we're made. He knows how we're created. He knows how we think. He knows how we feel. He knows how we function. He knows all of this. He knows all of this to the point that when he sent his son to die for us, he knew that he, again, was dying for all of the sins that we committed before we came to know him and that he's dying for all the sins that we committed after we came to know him. He knew all of that. He knew how we would feel um, when we messed up, when we sinned, when we failed, after we were saved. He knew all of this. He knows all of this. And so God in his kindness gives us this incredible plan of what to do, believers, listen to me, this incredible plan of what to do with our guilt that we find ourselves in when we sin after coming to know him. So here's the question. Here's the question that we need the answer to, and here's the question. What do I do with my guilt? Believers in the room, Christians in the room, what do I do with my guilt? There's a lot of you in the room that you're struggling with that. You're like, well, I blew it, and I blew it so bad, and I blew it again, and I blew it again, and I blew it again. You don't even know how many times I've blown it. I've lost count. I don't even know what do I do with my guilt. Or maybe it was that one time, that one thing that was so big, and you just can't get over it, and you are stuck in your guilt. What do I do with my guilt? Let me show you what God says we're to do with our guilt. Let me show you God's plan. Look at 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 8. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. And in this particular part of the text, he's speaking to followers of Jesus. He's talking to redeemed people. He's talking to God's holy people. And here's what he says in verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So I'm not standing up here today and trying to fool myself because I know I wouldn't be fooling you, telling you, man, I got saved a bunch of years ago and I ain't done anything wrong since. How silly, I said that out loud, didn't I? I mean, how silly is that? Okay, the only person that would ever believe that would be me. And when I did, I would be what? A fool. Those of you that are sitting here listening to me right now, I don't think that you would say that out loud. You're not that foolish. And here's what it says, if we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Verse 9. But... If we, God's people, save people, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. This is God's plan for you as a believer when you blow it. This is God's plan for you when you mess up. It's going to come on the screen. You can fill it in your notes. You've got to get this. This is what we find in Scripture over and over again. It's really plain here in 1 John. Listen to me. 
First of all, I admit it. I admit it. I don't try to hide it. I don't try to cover it up. I don't try to act like I didn't do it. I admit it. Okay? I own it, if you will. Next, I confess it. I don't just like make a mental, yes, I did it. I get it out loud to God and I say, this is what I did. Next, I turn from it. I turn from it. I'm not going that way anymore. That's the way of sin. I turn that direction for a little while. I don't want to go that direction anymore. Jesus, I'm turning back to you. It's called repentance. I turn from it. Next, I thank God I am forgiven. I admit it. I confess it. I turn from it. I thank God I am forgiven. Next, I make amends with anyone who has been affected by my sin. I make amends with anyone who's been affected by my sin. And then, what do I do next? Then I go back to doing things the way I used to do them. Listen to me. This is so important. This is where I think a lot of us get stuck. I think we go down through there and we kind of understand all that. We're like, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, great, great. Then, then what do I do? Listen to this. you got to get this. Then I, write this down, move on. Then I move on. I confessed it. I've admitted it. I've repented of it. Jesus did what he said he would do. I've gone to other people if I needed to go to them. Hopefully, hopefully made things right there if that was at all possible. And then I move on. Some of you have prayed the same I'm sorry prayer so many times you can't even count. For the same exact sin that you committed two years ago, you have said, I'm sorry, like 14 million times. Listen, if you said that to God, guess what he did? He heard you because he is not hard of hearing. And he forgave you because he is not hard of forgiving. This is who he is. He's a forgiving God. And he says to you, you are forgiven. Remember Jesus on the cross? Yep, that was for this. Move on in this forgiveness. Be different. Rest in that. Rejoice in that. I know, I know, I know. It creeps back up on you, right? You would say things like, I can't forget. I know, but listen to me. He can forgive. And his forgiveness is greater than your memory. You're going to have to let the forgiveness of God be good enough for you to move on. I'm going to say that again. You're going to have to let the forgiveness of God be good enough for you to move on. If the forgiveness of God can't allow you, free you up to move on, then we are utterly hopeless. There's nothing greater, nothing more powerful than the grace that we speak of, the forgiveness that we speak of, all because of Jesus. For many of you, your guilt as a believer, for many of you, your guilt is a lie that you have to pay for your sin. Listen to me, and I want you to see it on the screen. Jesus paid it all. Okay? Jesus paid it all. Every bit of your sin debt paid for by Jesus. Here's some questions for you. Do we believe that? 
do we receive that? And then do we live in that? Listen, I'm, I'm going to pause and, 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 and hush, even though I'd like to keep talking to you for like another two hours because I'm just like, God, your spirit's got to do something greater than me and get this through our hearts and get this through our minds. So huge, so massive that we understand the grace of God, the grace that saves us, the grace that keeps us saved, the grace that changes us, the grace that forgives us after we're saved, the grace that helps us move on. He paid it all. And this morning, God's grace is available to you. If you're not a believer yet, you're not a Christian yet, His grace is available to you so that you no longer have to be condemned, but you can be forgiven and be declared by God as innocent because of the work of Jesus on the cross. For those of you who are saved, that are stuck in your guilt because you did something then or then or then or whenever, He's giving you this plan, excuse me, this plan. And we've got to receive it and experience it and move on for His glory. He's got great things planned for you to accomplish. And your guilt is lying to you. It is getting you stuck. You are no longer condemned in Jesus. You are free. You are free. You are free. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And uh, while I'm praying, I just want you to consider what God's speaking to your heart and how you need to respond to him this morning. There's going to be some incredible people back in this corner back over here. You can get up while I'm praying if you want to. They're going to be heading back there in just a moment. They will pray with you. They will talk with you. They will open scripture with you if you need that. If you need to receive Christ this morning as your Savior, they'd love to talk to you. They're going to be back there. They'll stay back there all the way through the end of service. If you just want to drop off there on your way out this morning, you can do that. If you need to come down here this morning and have a moment with God yourself, do that. If you need to have a moment with God wherever you're at, His grace is extended to you this morning. So we're going to pray. After this prayer, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. We're going to give. But most importantly, we're going to respond to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. Oh, your grace. I can't get over it. I can't fully comprehend it. But oh, your grace. I don't want to get over it. I don't want to get past it. I want to live in it. I want to bask in it. I want to glory in it. Because all that glory just goes back to you. Jesus, I pray that we as a church would understand more so than ever your grace. How you save us. How you keep us saved how you change us, how you allow us to move on, how you overcome guilt and shame through the incredible work of cross, the cross in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I pray that none of us would think little of that or put little on your forgiveness or on the sacrifice, but understand that you paid for our sin debt and you paid it in full. Help us to move forward for your honor and for your glory and for anyone that's never placed their faith in Christ to experience this forgiveness that we speak of, this hope that we speak of. Oh, I pray that today they'd receive you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.